Find your seat there. Wow. You guys are ready to meet the Lord, I can tell. Ready to have an encounter. That's good. That's very, very good. And he's, he's willing. I think he's going to show up. I, I believe he will. Yeah. Yeah. Well, all those things are true about me being a redneck. Hallelujah. It's an anointing, I believe. Anyway, I have some stuff I want to give to you just before we get started, just real quick, okay? And uh, so I usually don't throw these. I threw them once and, and gave somebody plastic surgery because they're, you know, they're plastic, right? Anyway, you'll get that in a minute, but that's, that's sort of redneck. But anyway, uh, <laughs> is it redneck? There you go. Uh, this is a, a single CD called Restoring the Hearts of the Fathers to the Children. Hey, there you go. Okay, so there's a lot of hands right here. I'll just very gently bring this to you. There you go. All right. Oh, Pastor, I got to give this one to you. This is the rhythm of heaven. Yeah, this is, uh, I was talking to you about that. So, yeah, yeah, there you go. And uh, so, so, this is a two uh, CD. Okay, some of them are DVDs and some of them are CDs. And you don't even know what it is yet, do you? It doesn't matter. This is really awesome. This is really awesome, you wonder why? This is how to pray for Jerusalem. Yeah, it's really awesome. Yeah, it's really, it's powerful. It's two CDs, and it talks about two Gentiles that prayed for Jerusalem and how God moved mightily in their lives. And so expect a blessing. All right, there you go. Amen. Okay, so come tomorrow night. I have a few more things, and I'll be happy to, uh, to share them. I just love to give them away. I brought a few things with me, but not too much, so... Um, if, if there's not enough there, um, we have a website, but also I think a sign-up sheet or something, and I'd love for you to have whatever you'd like with products and to just get it to the Word of God and just to receive the good Word. Well, you ready? Yeah. Okay, so am I. That's how I came. I'm ready. I want to talk to you tonight about a very, very important message about something that God is doing in our generation, something He's doing in our time, and something that we can get a hold of and uh, see uh, happen right before our very eyes and participate in something God is doing. And uh, this is kind of how it works. Every generation, if you will, brings forth a new expression of the body of Christ. This generation, you and I, we're bringing forth to the earth an expression, a demonstration of the church, of the body of Christ. And, and uh, we are going to largely uh, determine what that looks like, what our culture, what our society, what our nation uh, sees, what they what they call, oh, this is the church, this is, uh, you know, the bride. And so tonight I want to talk to you about what that expression is going to look like, what God wants it to look like, I'll put it that way, and how we can be a part of it. And I want to talk to you about a generation that's coming forth right now, is being formed right now by the hand of God, by the Spirit of God, a generation that includes you, a generation that includes me, and it's a generation that's coming forward, but it's a unique thing. Because this time, it's not simply a generation of the youth or a generation of the elder. It's the combining or the joining of the generations. And the reason God's doing this is to bring forth the fullness of an expression of the Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of multiple generations that brings forth a multiple fulfillment and expression of his word and of his kingdom. So if you'd like to follow along in your Bible tonight, I would love for you to do that. I'm going to begin in uh, Judges chapter 2, and uh, I'm going to talk to you tonight about the rising apostolic generation that God is bringing forth in the earth, and I'm going to talk to you about how it's going to come forth, 
so that we can know ahead of time and that we can be a part of what God is doing. Now, every new move of God is, always comes forth from the womb of the old. That's how it always works. Uh, one generation always gives birth to the next generation. Here's an example. Elizabeth brought forth John the Baptist, and John the Baptist came declaring the kingdom of God is at hand. He came forth as a forerunner of the Elijah generation. Mary, uh, uh, the mother of Jesus, who also represents like a womb of the old, brought forth the Lord Jesus, who came announcing and bringing forth the new covenant and the new kingdom. So you can see that one generation always brings forth the next generation. Out of the womb of the old comes the next generation. Now this is important for us to understand how God is going to do this thing. And I believe that right now we're in a generation that's being overshadowed, if you will, by the Holy Spirit, just like the overshadowing of Mary. And God is birthing and bringing forth an apostolic generation. And this generation is going to bring forth, if you will, the Word of God in its fullness and in its glory. Now think about it. There has never been a generation in the earth that has ever brought the fullness of God's Word to bear. The full impact of it, the full revelation, the full demonstration. Do you know that God's going to bring a generation forth that, uh, that is going to know the Word of God completely, and they're going to bring it forth fully? They're not going to operate on this level of revelation or this level. But as the Bible says, the Word of God is purified seven times. I believe that you and I are in a generation that's going to get the fullness, the full levels, the full refinement. We're going to know it. We're going to understand it. And we're going to bring it forth with boldness, with confidence, with expectancy. I believe we're going to do that. Uh, and I, I believe it's true. So I believe you can get ready for that. I really do. I believe you can get ready for revelation. I believe you can get ready for impartation. I believe you can get ready for some downloads of the Holy Ghost. I mean some words, uh, some understanding of how the Scripture is put together, what the meaning of it is, how the Holy Spirit designed it. And you and I are going to have what I call footstool strategies given to us that are going to bring the kingdom of God to bear in a generation like none other. Uh, I know the early church was pretty awesome, wasn't it? You know, we read about it. We read about all the wonderful things they did. But I'm telling you, that is just a foretaste of the greater that a generation is going to bring. That was good, but there's still much, much more. And so we're going to bring that. And I believe that we're part of that generation. I, I choose to believe that, and I can't help but believe that because of all that I see going on around and everything that's, that's happening. And so I believe we're going to be a generation that's going to be like an Acts 2.22 generation, attested by God by signs and wonders and miracles, a generation of demonstration. And I, and I tell you, every indicator is in place for this generation to come forth. Every condition is present in our society. It's ready. It's ripe. And God's about to bring us forward. And I'm so excited about it that um, I'm just doing it anyway without, you know, waiting for everybody else. You know, I mean, you might as well just, you know, go for it. So I am. But anyway, I want you to see here. I want you to see what God's doing out of the Scripture, why He's doing it now, what are the indicators that are present, and how we can certainly know that God's doing this. So here in Judges chapter 2, I'll just give you this scenario and begin to describe for you a generation that existed in, in uh, a time in, in history uh, much like our generation today. Are you ready? Judges chapter 2, this is what the Word of God says, in, uh, and I'm reading out of the New King James Version, so if you don't have that, it'll be a little different, but pretty much the same. All right. Judges chapter 2, verse 7, it says this. 
So the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great works of the Lord which he had done for Israel. Now Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died when he was 110 years old, and they buried him within the border of his inheritance in Timnath Ares, on the mountains of Ephraim, on the north side of Mount Gaash. Now verse 10 is a key verse. When all that generation had been gathered to their fathers, another generation arose. Say another generation. That's right, another generation arose after them who did not know the Lord nor the work which he had done for Israel. goes on to say in verse 11, Then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and they served the Baals, and they forsook the Lord God of their fathers, who had brought them out of the land of Egypt, and they followed other gods from among the gods of the people who were all around them. And they bowed down to them, and they provoked the Lord to anger. They forsook the Lord and served the Baal and the Asherahs. Now listen, we are living in a generation, you and I are, much like this generation. What I would call a post-Joshua generation, or a generation that has arisen or rose after uh, there has been a move of God in a prior generation, or generations before us. Now, when that happens, we become much like this generation. We're a generation, if we're truly honest if we're truly honest, that does not know the Lord or His power. We know a lot about the Lord, and we know a lot about His power, but I'm telling you that I am alive at the same time you are, and I'm not aware of the Red Sea opening anywhere lately in the last hundred years. I'm not aware of anybody crossing the Jordan at flood stage. I'm not aware of any angels showing up and slaying 185,000 people. Are you with me? I'm not aware of some of the moves that this generation experienced that you and I have not seen that level or that power of God. We have not known that. We have not tasted that. But it is ours to know and it is ours to taste, but we have not. And, and so we become like this jo- Joshua generation. We have, we have come up in a period of time uh, where we have not known the Lord or His power. And because of that, uh, we have been to some degree, and don't be offended, I'll just tell you the truth tonight, to some degree, we have been captivated and, subdu- and seduced by the world around us. We have been. And, and uh, so we become a generation that we, comes into their inheritance, and we truly don't understand how we got here, or what it took to get us here, or the sacrifice that others paid before us to bring us into this place of blessing, where you and I uh, live in a, in a place of relative freedom. We can worship the Lord freely. We can serve the Lord freely. We can show up here tonight freely. You have, you know, uh, conveniences and a lifestyle that lends itself to a level of liberty and freedom that we truly probably don't completely understand uh, how it came to us. And we haven't had to because it was just given to us. We were born into it. And that's not our fault. But because of that, we don't have an understanding or a value, if you will, of what it took to bring us to this place, to, to the lifestyle and to the blessings that we have. Now, when a generation comes up like this, like we have, um, we're pretty easily given over to the shiny things and the other things. Because we haven't had to depend upon God to get us here, therefore uh, we're easily you know, captivated by other things. 
other philosophies, other ways of doing things, other means of success, other means of sustaining, you know, what we're doing. And uh, when this happens, we can be given over to dead religious structures and systems very easily. A generation can come into that. We can be given over to worldliness and complacency and just a lack of fervency after the Lord because we've just been, uh, you know, risen up and we've come forth in a time that hasn't had to contend. And uh, because of that, it's, it's easy for us to begin to lose our identity. It's easy for us to begin to lose our purpose and, and, our, and, our, and our passion and our, and our very destiny that God has given to us. The ways of the world really just, they, they, they sneak up on us. We don't intend them to do, but, you know, we're living in an age of secularism and humanism and paganism and all the other isms, and believe it or not, they really affect the way that we think and move. Uh, they're so subtle because they've come over a period of time, but they actually affect the way we understand the Bible, the, the way that we relate to God. And, uh, and they've taken a stronghold, and, and we're living, you know, against those things. And, and here they are, and, and uh, we're under them, and they've slow, slowly driven us away uh, from, from bringing forth the kingdom of God. It, it's really true. And uh, it's not a happy thing to think about, but it's something we've got to think about. It's something we've got, to, we've got to come to terms with because we need to make a shift and we need to make a change. And, and we need to know where our beginning place is and those things that have you know, brought us to a place of not knowing the Lord or His power. Now, it, it amazes me that it seems to me in my generation, in my time, at least in America, it's like the enemy all of a sudden is, is not all of a sudden, but really the enemy is more powerful than the church. It's like the enemy's overcoming us instead of us overcoming him. I don't know how it is here, but I, I kind of think, I, I, you know, I'm pretty close. I, I think there's probably more unsaved people here than there are saved. I, I think the unsaved world is having more influence on our society than the church at this point. Now, when those things are in place, when we see these things in place, this is a generation that is ripe, ready for apostolic reformation, apostolic revolution. They're, they're ready. And so here you and I are tonight, a generation much like the post-Joshua generation I just described to you. We are that people. That's bad, but that's good. On one hand, it's horrible. You know, we don't know God or His power, but on the other hand, God says, but I'm going to show you who I am. And I'm going to show you my power. And I'm not going to let the enemy win. And I'm going to bring you out of this place, and I'm going to bring you out, and I'm going to bring you up, and I'm going to display my awesome power to this generation and to this world. That's why I've left a few enemies around in New Zealand, because I'm going to teach you how to war. I'm going to teach you how to overcome. I'm going to teach you how to rise up and have victory in my name. I'm going to display my awesome power, and I'm going to make my name known in your generation. Listen, we've got to lay hold of this, because God wants to make an impression in our generation about his king, about the king and his kingdom. So, anyway, uh, here we are. Now, how's God going to do this? Turn to Isaiah chapter 9. Let's just take a look at God's plan. Did you know that he already had this thing figured out before we got started? Isn't that amazing? He knows the end from the beginning, so everything that he does is always working towards the end. That's an amazing thing. He doesn't wake up and go, oops, didn't see that coming. Uh-oh, what am I going to do about this? No, he, he, he's moving. Uh, he, he, he plans the end and then he puts the beginning all the way through so that we arrive at, at the place we need to go. Now, we're sitting here tonight as the result of the prayer and the faith and the 
the witness of many who have gone on before us. And I'm so thankful for them. I'm thankful for everybody that prayed for me. I'm thankful to the person that witnessed to me, that led me to saving faith. I'm grateful, aren't you? I'm grateful to the generation that's gone on before me. I thank God for them. But can I just tell you that they brought me as far as, as they could in my faith and in my practice. They brought me as far as, as I know how to go. But the thing is, is I know I need to go further. I know there's more. I have all their teaching, but I lack their experience. I have their form, but I lack their function. I know I've got to go forward. I know I've got to do something. But I just don't know how to get there. But thank God, it says in Psalm 78 that God has established a testimony in Jacob so that you and I can take hope and take courage that what they experience, we can experience. That's good, right? Now, I'm going to read this, this scripture to you. And uh, it's often read at Christmas time. And, and so it's almost like Christmas did a disservice to the scripture, really. You know why? Because when you read it at Christmas time, you're like, oh, oh, lovely. Oh, the little baby, you know. We just go down that road, right? This is one of the most powerful scriptures of the Bible. I mean, this, this is one of the biggies. And uh, so thank God it's not Christmas time. It is Easter, so, uh, you know, hallelujah. But anyway, don't think about it like, you know, the little baby in the manger and swaddling clothes, hallelujah. Somebody, you know, get that boy a bottle, you know. Don't think about it like that, right? See, there comes the redneck. Watch out. It'll, it'll jump out every once in a while. Listen to it for the first time, if you would. Listen to the power of this thing. This is what it says. It says, For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given. And the government, or we could say his kingdom, the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, to order it and establish it with judgment and justice, from that time forward, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Now, I've got to tell you that God already had a plan for every generation. And the plan is this. There will be an increase of his government and peace. In other words, from the time the child was born and the son was given, it set in motion the fulfillment of this word. Every generation that came along after the child was born, after the son was given, the Lord Jesus Christ, there would be a manifested an increase of his government and peace in the earth. Upon the throne of David, that's his earthly manifestation of his authority and power in the earth. We are, you know, the house of David, if you will, the throne of David, the tabernacle of David. It's us. And so God has purposed for every generation to bring forward and to bring forth into the earth not a decrease, but an increase. An increase. An increase of His government. An increase of His throne. An increase of His, uh, of his majesty, of His glory, of the knowledge of His glory. Every generation would bring an increase. No generation was ever meant to be a static generation. God never purposed that a generation come into, the, come into earth and believe in him, and then they just simply took this body of truth that was given to them, and then they just simply passed it on to the next generation. 
the next generation come up, and what do they do? They just pass on the truth. No, no, no. This is how God intended it. The highest place of the glory and the knowledge and the revelation that one generation touched was to be passed on at that point to the next generation. So they started from the highest place, not the lowest place. Then the next generation took that highest place and they took it to another level. Then from that level, it was passed on to the next generation. Are you with me? That's how it's supposed to work. No generation is ever supposed to just, you know, be static or just, you know, cruise along. There is a biblical mandate for every generation to bring forth an increase of his government and peace into the earth. I'm telling you, God said that if any generation would lay hold of this and choose to cooperate with it, the Lord of hosts would be manifested to that generation and the zeal of the Lord of hosts would be uh, you know, overshadowed on them and they would not simply bring forth a body of truth or just words, but they would bring along the word with demonstrations of power with the Lord of hosts, with him who has been forgotten to a generation that did not know the Lord or his power, all of a sudden you realize, hey, I've got a mandate for increase. I'm going to bring the increase. And God says, I'm going to be with you, and I'm just going to manifest myself as the Lord of hosts. In other words, I'm going to activate all of heaven's armies and all of earthly armies, and I'm going to bring again uh, forward into the earth a demonstration, a manifestation of my kingdom. That's pretty awesome. That's incredible. So here we are in this generation that's meant... Uh, you know, to bring forth a mighty demonstration of God. I'm glad, aren't you? I mean, I'm so glad. I mean, if all I had to do was to come to church and listen to a truth and then just kind of pass it on, that would be horrible. Aren't you glad that the Bible in, in the book of Acts is not called the book of truth? It's called the book of Acts. Hallelujah. And I'm really glad it's not completed. It was never finished being written. It just kind of left off like the next generation comes. At the highest point of that generation comes the next generation. Come on, are you there? Man, I think that's so good. Now, when we embrace this, it says that this increase will come forth with judgment and justice from that time forward even forever. So, in other words, we know how the kingdom's going to come. It's going to come with judgment and ju- justice. Judgment against the enemy, come on, and justice for the saints. How good is that? Every generation is to bring an increase of greater judgment against the powers of darkness and a greater demonstration of justice for those who believe in his name. We're not supposed to be getting weaker. We are to be getting stronger. And the devil is to be getting weaker. His kingdom is to be smashed and compressed and diminished and dissolved and and put down. Come on. And the kingdom of God is supposed to be increasing and increasing and increasing. I own that gate. I own that faith. I own that healing. I own that anointing. Come on. There's supposed to be an increase until, until when darkness shows up, there's no way that darkness is going to prevail. There's no way there's going to be sickness in a body. There's no way there's going to be disease. There's no way there's going to be a poverty spirit. There's no way there's going to be witchcraft and occult high places running the city. Come on. It is supposed to be mashed and smashed. And the kingdom of God is supposed to be rising. Now listen, when a generation gets that, I'm telling you, God's going to show up. It's like we've got to shake ourselves and go, oh, wait a minute. I'm not supposed to just be the, you know, the world-defined church. I'm not supposed to be the church as the you know, society has defined it. 
I'm actually supposed to come into a biblical definition of the body of Christ. I'm supposed to be the church that Jesus is building. I'm supposed to be that one. Well, all right, I'm going to be that. The moment you get that into your heart and you begin to step into it, all these things that have tethered you and restrained you and held back your thinking and held back your life and held your spirit in captivity begin to come off and all of a sudden you begin to step into a revelation of God's glory and His power. And all of a sudden, the Spirit of God begins to come upon you. And the Lord of hosts begins to work with you. And all of a sudden, all of the angelic beings in heaven, you know, have have taken notice and go, there's one. And then there begins to be an increase of His government of peace in your life and then every area you begin to touch. It's true. It's true. And God is looking for a generation, every generation, to bring increase. But He's looking for this one, particularly... To bring an increase. Why? Because we have gone so far off the grid that now we are at the end of our grace rope, if you will, and we're about to be cut off by the enemy. And God says, when that happens, He does something. He does a Psalms 82 1. You know what He does? He sits among the gods and He judges the gods. And this is what He said Devil, that's far enough. You've taken that generation far enough. In fact, you've overplayed your hand. Yeah, you've messed up, devil. Now, I'm going to raise up a generation, and they are going to bruise your head. They are going to take back everything that you thought that you have. Devil, you've been sitting there laughing for 40 years, for 20 years, for 10 years. You think that you've totally captivated a generation You think that you have them smothered and smashed down and deceived, and you think that you're controlling them? Devil, I'm going to raise that very generation up right before your very eyes, and I'm going to give every one of them a Holy Ghost baseball bat, and they're going to come out and get a swing at you. That's that's what God's going to do. He's going to bring the judgment. He said, I'm going to sit among the gods, those things that have made themselves out to be God that we have given ourselves to. He's going to expose who they truly are, the demonic origin and the, and, and the fallacy of, of who they have been to us. And, and God's going to use us to Genesis 3.15 to bruise their head. I'm telling you, it's going to happen. And when the bruising comes, the justice comes for the believers. Oh, it's going to be so good. I mean, it's going to be so good. Don't you know that God is going to put this post-Joshua generation back on track? He's going to do it by first using us to judge the enemy, and then justice is going to come to us. This is how it's going to work. I'll tell you, God's going to do some tremendous things in our time. He, he not only is going to use us to judge the enemy, but then he's going to extract an apostolic harvest right out from under his nose. The very people that the devil has said are his mature sons, come on, there's a bunch of them out there. I know you have some in New Zealand. We used to have some in America. You know, they walk on water up and down buildings. They levitate. They're mature sons of darkness operating in a counterfeit power, seducing an entire generation. Where are the sons of light? Where are the sons of the kingdom that do that in legitimate power and authority? Where are they? Well, I'm just in church. Get out of it then. Get doing what you're supposed to be doing. You're supposed to be captivating and fascinating a generation by the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Operating in legitimate power. You're supposed to be turning the water into wine, calming the winds and the waves. Come on. Where are those people? The mature sons of darkness are out there. 
We're paying them money to be on television. Hallelujah. Look at that. He levitated. Wow. Come on, I'm provoking you tonight. You hear me? Well, I'm just afraid of that. Well, why? I'm telling you we're coming to a point of time, if you don't know how to operate in the supernatural, the dark supernatural is going to overtake you and snuff you out. You've got to know the greater in you. It's true. Supernatural stuff is not going to be optional anymore. We're coming to a place in time, if you don't know how to operate in the supernatural, the powers of darkness will just gladly just supernatural you right out of, you know, of any effective lifestyle. They'll just overshadow you. Hey, it's true. Now, don't get all upset with me. I've got a few days here yet. But I'm just telling you the truth. Now, listen, he raises up a people. God raises up a people with apostolic authority and power, and he sends them out to render judgment against evil and justice for the believers. Now, this is the amazing thing, is these people that, that get the justice of God, that are extracted, if you will, apostolically, out from under the devil's very nose. I mean, people who know the power of God, they go in to where people are captivated with the power of darkness, and they operate in the greater power and overcome their power. And then there's a conversion of them from darkness to light, and they extract them. It's just like this. When, when, when Stephen, who was the rising star of the New Testament church, when they stoned him and killed him, took him out. If you read the Scripture, it's only the second time in the Bible where God stood up and made a decree. When Stephen was stoned, God stood up and he basically said, Devil, that one's going to cost you. So what did he do? He took the devil's bright and rising star. He took the Apostle Paul. He said, I'll just convert him to Saul. Come on. Greater power. That's what God does. God sends in people that know his power. That's why I'm calling them an apostolic generation. Apostolic people know how to operate in the power of God. They're sent with power. They're not sent with just a word or a testimony. They're sent because they know how to operate in the power of God. They know how to heal, to deliver, come on, to preach, to teach. Come on, they know how to operate in the power of God. They know who Christ is in them, and they're not afraid of the darkness. And so they go in and they extract an apostolic harvest. They go in and pull out the hidden harvesters. You know what they are, don't you? Hidden harvesters? Well, I'll just tell you about them. Jesus met one one day at the well in John chapter 4. He was going down through Samaria, and he happened to stop at a well, and he met a woman there. She was a hidden harvester, you know. She had a bad reputation. Oh, yeah, she had done some things. She had done some things. She had a few husbands, messed around a little bit. You know, she was, she'd had some troubles. So much so that she didn't come out, you know, to the well at the same time everybody else did because of her disgrace. But Jesus knew she was coming out. So he shows up, and uh, he prophetically, by a, a revelatory word of knowledge, he told her everything that she ever did from the moment she was born all the way through her life to that very moment. Shocked her. Stunned her. She said, Sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. You think? What did she do? She arose, she went into town and brought the entire town out to see the man who told her whatsoever she ever did. See, she was a hidden harvester. And the enemy had so worked in her life to make her so ashamed that she thought she could never serve God. She had all the reasons why. All this dialogue, all these things. But Jesus shows up and by the power of God, reads her mail, sets her free, 
she goes into town and there's an entire city believing in Jesus in one day. Come on, how's an entire city going to come to town in one day? God's going to show you where the hidden harvesters are. You're going to go in and you're going to extract them by supernatural power. What about the Gadarene demoniac? Remember that guy? Jesus took a little boat ride just for him. That's true because if you read the story, he didn't get off and go on into town. He got back in the boat and went back to the other side. He knew what he was doing. He went out to the Gadarene demoniac, you know, the guy bound in chains, clawing and, 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 and you know, cutting himself, screaming out in the night. Everybody was afraid of him. You know, the guy that they, you know, expelled out of town and had living in the rocks in the caves, that guy? Oh, yeah, nobody wanted to be around him. Jesus did. Jesus went right up to him, comes running out. Son of David, have mercy on me, you know. And then he begins to talk to him, and he commands the demons to come out of this guy. The legion. He had a few. But now the amazing thing is, is the Bible says that he was clothed in his right mind immediately after the deliverance. I'm telling you, church, there is power for deliverance that we have not yet fully embraced because right now we're still counseling and caring for people days and weeks and months after they're delivered. How about the power of God just comes so tremendously and the fire with it to where they're completely free and completely back in a sound mind? How about that? It happened. Jesus proved it could happen. Now the guy said, Jesus, I want to come and follow you. You freed me. I want to come and follow you. And Jesus says, no. He says, I want you to go back and tell your friends what the Lord did for you. You know where he was from, don't you? That's right. He was from Decapolis. You know what that means? Oh, yeah. Count them. Ten cities. So this guy goes back, and he's encountered the power of God. Now he knows all these people in the, the ten cities that are captivated with the same power. He says, I'm coming in get my friends out. I'm going to go extract them. So we have a woman that saves a city, and now we have a man that gives witness to ten cities. Are you getting it? Hidden harvesters. They're out there. The devil's best. He has them captivated, seduced, chained up in morality issues, in, in habits and addictions, and in every other way. But this generation, this apostolic generation, we've got the power of God. We know what, how it works. So we go in and we extract right out of the devil's finest playground his best, and we pull them out, and they are so excited that the power of God freed them from the devil's greatest power. They said, equip me quick. I've got to know. Equip me. How do you operate in that? Then they're going to go right back out. Come on. And it's going to be the, the hidden harvesters are going to come out and extract a, an apostolic harvest. And, the, and all of a sudden now what was one or two people now becomes a generation of people liberated by the power of God, operating in the power of God. So then an apostolic uh, generation emerges, and I'm talking to you about a generation that's going to really bruise the head of the enemy and bring justice to the believers. I have a friend of mine in Sedona, Arizona. I was doing a conference with him down there not too long ago. And he told me a really awesome story. He was telling me, uh, you know, Sedona, Arizona in the U.S., that's like the, the mega mecca capital for mysticism and new age and anything spiritual, good, bad, or ugly, it's there. It's all there. I mean, you go there, it's like a spiritual spin zone, man. Everything's going, woo! <laughs> wow. Anyway, they have crystals and stones and aromas and candles and flames and pits and ports and portals and, oh, wow. Anyway, it's all there. It's all there. And Sedona's not very big. Anyway, so there I am. And uh, anyway, there we are. And uh, so uh, he goes into a sandwich shop to get a sandwich, right? And uh, steps into the sandwich shop. And the lady behind the counter, you know, she's got this funny look on her face. 
like this, like grin, like I'm doing something you don't know, you know, but I'm going to serve you and you just don't know what I got going on. Well, David picked up on it. He goes, what's up? That's American. What's up? What's up? Hey. Anyway. Dude. Anyway, you'll get it. And uh, she said, well, nothing. Can I help you, sir? She's trying to pull herself together. And he said, no, I can tell, you know, something's going on. You know, what's up? She said, well, I really can't tell you. She said, can I get you a sandwich or something? And he wouldn't leave her alone. He just kept pressing. Finally, she said, do you really want to know? He goes, yeah, I really want to know. He said, you look all kind of happy and giddy. He said, what's going on? She said, well, you ready? He goes, yeah. She goes, I just levitated three feet off the ground. And David said, no way. Like he was interested. I mean, most Christians would have bolted and ran out the door by now. Hey, right? But no, he's got the power, right? I mean, nothing in there going to jump on him, get him. He's got more. Greater than's in him, right? So he's like, no way. She goes, yeah, three feet. He goes, how did you do that? How did you do that? She said, I prayed to 10,000 Buddhas, and they lifted me up three feet. He said, oh, man. He said, you're serving really low-level gods. He said, 10,000 of them only got you up three feet. He said, I have an elder brother, he said, that was, you know, gathered together with a group of the boys one day and some angels around, and he levitated and levitated, and he went all the way up into the sky, and he's never come back yet. Yeah. And she says, no way. And he goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. She says, I have got to meet this, this guy. I've got to, I've got to, I've got to meet, I've got to hook up. Listen, I'm serving God number two. I've got to serve God number one. Nobody wants to serve God number two, you there? Or number three. No one wants to serve the, he goes, yeah, I can introduce you. You can hook me up. Totally, I can hook you up today. You can have supernatural power that will blow your mind. Supernatural power. You can read people's thoughts and hearts and intents. Come on. You can cause a healing effect to flow into their body. I'm telling you, they're super. I've got, I can hook you. Oh, hook me up. <laughs> he told her. You know what happened, right? He told her about Jesus, man. She traded up in a moment. She dumped them 10,000 Buddhas like they were poison. Poof. Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on. <laughs> What is that? Come on, that's the apostolic generation. We're not afraid of that boogie-woogie stuff. I mean, unfortunately, somebody taught the church for about 20 or 30 years that you've got to stay away from that, duck your head, be, you know, it'll get on you, jump on you, you know, be afraid of it, go hide. You know, if you just ignore it long enough, it'll go away. Here it is. Full on. Did you notice that darkness is no longer hiding, no longer is bashful, no longer creeping around? It's in your face. Why? Because we haven't stood up and done anything about it. Because we're a generation that rose after. And we don't know the Lord or His power. So we're really not sure as a generation if we can handle that. But God's going to say, and is saying, you can handle it. And not only can you, but you will. If you'll go out and give it a shot, He said, I'll show up. 
He said, I'll rock their boat. Yeah. He said, I'll, I'll let you do supernatural things that will totally captivate this generation, if you're willing. Come on. You there? God, God loves to do this stuff. I'm telling you. It, it's true. Have you ever thought about the parable in Luke 15? where the good shepherd leaves the 99 to go get the one. Have you ever thought about that? Did you ever know where he had to go? Where do these wayward sheepies go? You know? I mean, they just don't wander off into pasture too, you know? Where did he go? The cliffs, the dangerous places, the dark places. You get it? The good shepherd had to leave the 99 to go get the one. And where was the one? In the darkest, dangerous place it could be. That's where it was. Now, the story says that he got this sheep and he placed it upon his shoulder with joy. Now, if you remember what we just read in Isaiah chapter 9, he said that the government would be where? You get it? So he saved the sheep or uh, mankind was saved and where was he put? On the shoulder, just below the head, but on the shoulder in the right place of authority, the right place, the right positioning. Listen, this generation that's coming, they know that when they get people saved, they need to put them in the right place. Just under the head, but on the shoulder because of the government of God. And when you and I finally figure out that we need one another, when we finally figure out that when one of us is missing, there's a hole in the fence that the enemy can get through, that's why he went to get the one because, you know, the greater one is in all of us. And all of us can effect a miracle just like that. Come on, God's no respecter of persons. He'll use a two-year-old or a 200-year-old, not that there's any alive that I know of, but, you know, there's no junior Holy Spirit. That's true. Well, them kids, they might get you healed. Man, they'll blow your doors off. I know five-year-olds that'll get pop. Dreams, visions, pray for you. Come on. No worries. They're so honest, they scare me. Got a word for you? Don't have anything for you. You need to get right with God. By the way, you know. They don't know. They don't care. They don't have that, you know, thing on them. They just say it like it is, in innocence and love. It's amazing, isn't it? It's amazing. So, so we're, we're a generation that's ripe for this, for this revolution. And all we have to do is agree with God that we need to bring increase and then step into it and begin to move in it like it's really going to happen because it will happen. It's not an option. Come on, here we are with the powers of darkness at their highest level they've ever been in the earth, and the church is like still thinking if they ignore them long enough, they'll go away. Not going to happen. Not going to happen. And so what's going on right now is that there's an entire generation of people that the devil tried to kill in the womb. Come on. But they survived, and they're survivors. And they've come forth, and I'm telling you what, they're radical. They're radical. Come on. Have you noticed the 15, 20, 30-year-olds? Have you noticed? Have you noticed? I don't know how they are here in New Zealand. I, I kind of think they're probably like they are in the United States. I mean, there's a movement among the young people, and they are so radically sold out. They eat, live, and breathe Jesus. They have no other agenda. They are scary, holy, and pure, consecrated unto God. Scary! They'll scare you. They open their mouth, and they can say Humpty Dumpty, and they've been with the Lord so long, that's anointed. And you go, Whoa! Humpty Dumpty. <laughs> Have you ever been in a service, you know, so, you know, and it's the glory and the, oh, the, it's so good, right? 
you know, and then you get out of the service and you go in a restaurant that's playing some corny song, and it's like, oh, you know, you just, that's how they are. They just kind of flow and go. It doesn't matter what environment they're in. Jesus is just all-encompassing them. They just operate in the environment. It's an amazing thing. They've proven to us that the anointing isn't as fragile as this generation thinks it is. It functions all the time in any environment. Well, anyway, the 99 gets and you know the lost one, the good shepherd, and he brings them in and puts them on the shoulder and puts them back into the flock, back into the place. Now, how is this generation going to come forward that I'm talking about? How are we going to activate it? How are we going to activate this next generation fully? How is this thing going to be birthed? How, how is the womb of the old going to bring forth this generation that I'm talking to you about? Well, a lot of them are already here. But how are we going to fully join the generations? How is God going to pull this thing off? Well, he's going to do it tonight. Aren't you glad? He is in this place. Yeah. So turn to 2 Kings chapter 6. And let me show you. Let me show you how God's going to do this thing. How we can activate this generation, and how we can induce, if you will, labor to bring this move of God, this apostolic generation forward. I want you to see it here in Second Kings chapter 6. Now, I'm going to speak for a few minutes. I'm going to be the voice of the, the younger generation, okay, like the 30s and younger. How many 30 and youngers are in here tonight? Come on, let me see the radical ones. Shaka, do ba ba. They're all over there. Some are over here. See? Watch the glory cloud come over there tonight. No, I am. He'll go. Hallelujah. There, that guy's got a landing light back there for the Holy Ghost. Swinging his landing light. That's why I tell all the, you know, I go to the churches, have all the flags in them. I said, you know what those things are for? And they go, no, we sure like to swing around. I said, those are landing flags for the Holy Ghost. Like, right here. Anyway. Well, you know, you've got to think of things when you're a redneck from Oregon. They, they just come up. But anyway, anyway, this is what it says. So I'm going to speak for the younger, and then I'm going to speak for the older. So uh, anyway, don't be offended. And if you are, then hallelujah. Yeah, you and I are way too much alike. We're dangerous, I could tell. Yeah. Band-Aids at the back on the table. Get on your way out. Hallelujah. Anyway. You'll be okay. See you next week. You'll mend quickly. All right. This is what it says. And the sons of the prophets said to Elisha. All right. So now we have the younger speaking to the older. All right. You with me? The sons of the prophets said to Elisha, See now, chapter 6, verse 1, 2 Kings, See now the place where we dwell with you is too small for us. Whoa. Now what are they saying? They're saying, you know what? We really love all of the believers that are older and more experienced in a follow God. We love you. And we thank you, and we're grateful for everything you've done. We thank you that you brought us to this level of spiritual experience in our lives. But we have to tell you, it's not enough. It's too small for us. We know there's more, and we're, we want to lay hold of it. That's really what they're saying here. Do you catch that? That's what the sons of Elisha are saying to Elisha. They're saying, Elisha, we know you're all that, buddy. But listen, we know there's more. And uh, you're a lid for our spiritual life right now. And 
we need you to take that lid off. We need you to open it up. And we need to make a way. And so, you know, so right now if you're older, you can choose to be offended or you can choose to do what Elisha did. Verse 2. This is what they said. This is what the son said. Please let us go to the Jordan and let every man take a beam from there and let us make there a place where we may dwell. Listen, they wanted to go to the Jordan. You know what the Jordan was in their day? It was the hottest spiritual place on the planet. It's where God showed up and did miracles and signs and wonders. It was the place of the greatest consecration to God you could find because they were circumcised there twice. Think that one through. That's serious consecration. Hey! Wants is something, but coming back again? Jesus, hallelujah. Woo! Telling you what, radical. You catching it? God shows up at the Jordan. Come on, a flood stage at this stage. I mean, he causes the river to open. I mean, it's, you know, hey, we get plans for Jericho. I mean, God's there. We have visitations of the Lord. He's there. They wanted to go to Jordan, and they wanted to make a permanent dwelling, so they're going to take a beam. So Elisha could have said, oh, you know, I appreciate your zeal. You know, you guys are awesome. You know, you, you know all that, okay, and a bag of chips. You're great. But, you know, uh, this is our house, and this is church, and this is how we do it. And, you know, just chill out a little bit. It's going to be okay. You know, just hang in there. No, Elisha didn't say that. Did you notice? This is what he said. Look, he said, so he answered, go. What did he do? Elisha said, you know what? I do know there's more in God, and I'm going to be honest with you, I haven't laid hold of it yet. And if you want to go after it, go. Far be it from me to be the lid, the, you know, the restrictor in your spiritual life. So he said, go. Then, verse 3, then one said, well, please consent to go with your servants. And he answered, I will go. Now, this is so good. Because they loved Elisha. They didn't want to leave him behind. But when they found out he was going to give them permission, they said, well, come on, let's go together. So now we have the joining of generations, not the separation of generations, you see? Now there's not a like, well, you know, this, this funny feeling when you get together. You know, it's like, hey, we're going to do this thing together. Elisha's a good guy. I mean, he's there. I mean, they made a proper appeal to authority here in verse 2. They just didn't run off and get all in judgment and get all upset. I mean, they say, please let us go. So they did it right. They said, go. And now there's a joining of generations. Hallelujah. It's good. So look at verse 4. So he went with them. And when they came to the Jordan, they cut down trees. But as one was cutting down a tree, the iron axe head fell into the water. And he cried out and he said, alas, master, for it was borrowed. Uh Uh-oh. Now what's happened here? Trouble in River City. Trouble at the Jordan. They went in their youthly zeal. They went to get after God. They're going and they're moving, but all of a sudden, their, their borrowed axe head, their edge, if you will, over the older, their edge, they lost it. They lost their edge. And worse than that, it wasn't even their edge, it was borrowed. You see, a lot of the younger folks are running on our faith, our highest experience. You, you with me? It's borrowed. Their edge is borrowed. You can go someplace with it, but it's borrowed. And when this thing fell in the water, they're like, oh, no, 
They said this, this ought to be in a movie somewhere. Alas, Master, what shall we do? That strikes me funny, but anyway. But here they are, and with this axe head lost, this is what it meant. It meant that they were going to have to go sell themselves into servitude until that axe head was paid for. So it's like, no way. I mean, we just got this thing going. We can't now, you know, go sell ourselves into servitude to pay off this axe head. I mean, we just can't do that. I mean, we just got this thing going. We don't want to shut the party down. We don't, you know, we're just going. We can't do that now. It's inconvenient. We don't want to do that. So they said, alas, master, what shall we do? This thing was borrowed. So verse 6, so the man of God said, where did it fall? Now, that's a profound statement. It's profound. Why is it so profound? Because there's one thing I notice about the generation that's 30 and younger. I mean, it's, it's evident. I mean, they're the most technologically advanced. They have more world knowledge than any one given generation. I mean, they're, they're incredibly brilliant and talented. I mean, they have all that. But can I just tell you that there's one thing I notice that most of them are missing? Common sense. I mean, if you can't Google it, they can't find it. Right? You with me? Google in that lost accent. Where is that thing? You know? I'm teasing. Right? But I mean, just a, just a lack of life experience. And so, see, they need the older generation because we have some life experience. And so Elisha just asked a very simple question. <laughs> you lost it? Where did it fall? You know, you're going to find it the last place you look. You'll get that in a minute. Anyway. So he showed him the place. So he cut off a stick and he threw it in there. And he made the iron float. And all of a sudden the sons went, whoa, Elisha, dude, whoa. We were... We were worried about going to the Jordan and you just exercised power over matter? You just made iron flow? Ooh, Elisha. Whoa. We be liking you, Elisha. Wow. We really like you, Elisha. Whoa. What's going on? Hey. Yeah. It's true. You know what happens, don't you? You see, when the younger and the older are working together, all of a sudden the younger begin to put a demand upon the latent gifts and anointings in your life if you're older. And those things that have been asleep and not operating in your life because they haven't had to, this younger generation's coming up and they're putting a demand on them. They know it's in you. So they're saying, you've got to do this thing. You've got to show us the way. And so also, all of a sudden these things that haven't been operating in our lives the younger generation puts so much demand upon the anointing that, bam, they happen, and all of a sudden, you just activate into the supernatural, and your gifts begin to function. That's what happened to Elisha. They put a demand upon who he was. Alas, Master, what shall we do? Just went in the phone booth and changed into Super Elisha. Come out and made the iron axe head float. I can do this thing. You catching it? I mean, it's, that's, how, that's how it works. It's an amazing thing. But watch here in verse 7. Therefore, after the thing float, you know, came up, in verse 7 he said, Therefore he said to the, the son, he said, Pick it up for yourself. 
That's another profound statement. It means two things. First of all, he wanted him to own it, right? But second of all, old people know when to conserve energy. <laughs> hey. <laughs> so I reached out and he took it. He did. But now it gets better, right? It says here now in, in verse 8, now the king of Syria was making war against Israel. And it's an amazing thing was going on. Because as the king of Syria would make war plans, uh, Elisha was hearing the plans that he was making. And Elisha was telling, uh, he was spiritually high revelatory ability. He was hearing this king make plans even though he wasn't there. He was hearing in the spirit the plans. And he would tell the Israeli army ahead of time what the king of Syria was planning to do. Not once, not twice, but several times to the point where the king of Syria said, all right, who's the traitor in our midst? Really? He gets together all his boys in his army and he says, all right, today, who is going and telling the Israeli army what we're planning? Because every time we implement it, they're one or two days ahead of us. We can't capture them. And he's about to take off somebody's head, right? But some guy there says, it's none of us, O king. It's Elisha the prophet. He hears the plans that you make even in your bedroom. Yeah, he does. And so now Elisha's not only exercising power over matter, now he's operating on such a high revelatory level that he's hearing the plans of the enemy in their war room before they're even manifested in the playing field. Listen, how about you and I beginning to understand and hear the plans of the enemy, and instead of reacting to everything, how about you and I get proactive to things? Come on, you there? That's what they were doing. They became proactive to the enemy's schemes, not reactive. You know, if the church could ever shift from being reactive to being proactive, hey, anyway, that's exciting. Think about it. But watch. Look here. Then one of his servants said, verse 12, None, Lord, O king, but Elisha the prophet who is in Israel tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. Now, verse 13 is a total comedy show. So this is what the king says. Well, go and see where he is that I may send and get him. Now, if he was just hearing everything the king was saying, you don't think that he picked up on the fact that the king was going to come and get him? You'd think they would at least got a chalkboard or something and went, go get Elisha. <laughs> he knew they were coming. Verse 14, therefore he sent horses and chariots and, they, and a great army there, and they came by night and surrounded the city. And when the servant of the man of God arose early and went out, There was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots. And his servant said to him, here it is. Want to say it together? It's fun. Alas, master, what shall we do? (laughs) That just cracks me up. Verse 16. So he answered, do not fear. Why? Listen, get yourself together. If you're going to hear from God, first thing you've got to do is get your emotions under control here a little bit, okay? School's on, okay? Get yourself collected. So he said, do not fear, which is good. But then he said this, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Now, all the sons of the prophets who had all this great faith and confidence in the man who just made iron float, in the guy who was just hearing the king's secrets, all of a sudden they go, great. He's delusional. He's off his meds. There are more for us than there are against us. Elisha, come on, man. I mean, 
you've been great up to this point, but you know, seriously, we've looked it over, and there is not more. We see that army. There they are. They're the horses. They're alive. They're breathing. I've looked around, and there are definitely more of them than there are of us. Could you imagine? Just let all the air out of their balloon, you know? There it was, going down. And so Elisha says, well, I guess we're going to have to solve this thing. This is what he did. Verse 17, and Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Now, what just happened there? At the highest point of Elisha's ability, when every gift and thing and anointing was functioning in him, at the highest point, he handed off at his highest point that same ability to that younger generation. At the highest point. And so as Elisha saw, so that young man saw. You there? That's how it works. That's how it works. By the way, Elisha, you know, carried a double anointing. It wasn't just the Elijah anointing. It was the Elijah anointing given to Elisha, multiplied. And so now the double anointing at the highest level of its operation was handed to the sons of the prophet so that the increase of his government and peace would see no end. And these sons of the prophet wouldn't have to start at the lowest place. They would be activated at the highest place of the prior generation. You see the handoff? That's how it works. That's how it works. And now it was a phenomenal thing because now the generations are joined together. They're both seeing. They're both operating on the same level of gifting and power. You catching it? Now it's not just one guy and everybody depended upon him. Now they're joined together and they're all operating in this incredible power. So much so that when the army, uh, you know, began to surround them, that Elisha prayed, the story says here, and he blinded the entire army. Now that is power evangelism at its finest. Paul did it in the New Testament, but Elisha did it here. He blinded the army, and he led them right into Samaria, right into the king's court, blinded. And then he said, Lord, I pray, open their eyes. And now this entire army's eyes opened, and where were they? Captured. Hallelujah. So the king says, well, shall I kill them? And Elisha says, no, feed them. Man, they're harmless now. They've just been converted. They fear God. They fear the God in me, and they fear God. And, and so they fed him, and they turned him loose, and the Bible says they never again came against the king of Israel. Never again. Power evangelism at its finest. Blinded the enemy, brought them in, had them a power encounter, and got them converted. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? That's absolutely amazing to me. So what are, what are you and I going to do tonight? Well, this is what we're going to do. I believe in, we're going to do an activation. This is what I believe. I believe that, that I want to pray for the 30s and youngers. And I want to pray at the highest level of gifting that I have. I want to impart that to them. And then I'm going to have them, as, as I, after I'm done imparting to them, I'm going to have them impart to you. And we're going to join the generations tonight. We're going to join the generations. And we're going to start this week off by joining the anointings and bring it to the highest level. That's what we're going to do, all right? And then out of this time and out of this place, we're going to go forth. But before I pray for all of those, I want to pray for all of those of you who um, have a heart for power evangelism. 
street marketplace evangelism. Because I'll tell you what God's doing in this hour. He's calling forth those flaming hearts that are ready to go. The forerunners that are going to go forth in power onto the streets, the highways and byways. He's calling them. And you may already have that going here. In fact, I think you do. I've talked to somebody here that's already, you know, doing a little bit of that. And uh, that's awesome. But what I carry and what I can impart to you is actually an act of spiritual activation. God honors this thing if you'll receive it by faith. There's an impartation that God has allowed me to impart to you, and there's an activation, a tangible, real activation that will prove itself out in the days to come where uh, you'll begin to see the lost saved on an increasing level. And also, I want to activate those that, that have not seen in the Spirit. You're going to get activated tonight. You're going to see in the Spirit. You're going to begin to have dreams and visions, angelic encounters. We're going to do all this tonight because this is the generation that God is rising up out of the midst of darkness and going to cause them to bruise the head of the enemy, come on, and bring a demonstration of the true and living church to this whole entire nation and to Hawks Bay. Come on, are you there? That's what God wants to do. And so that's my assignment for tonight. Yeah, we're going to have signs and wonders and miracles. Yeah, we're going to operate in healing. We're going to do that all week long. But tonight, we've got to start by activating the evangelists and activating the realm of the Spirit and beginning to open up this realm more than it is. And it's open nicely, by the way. You guys are not lacking, but there's more. You got it? There's more. And so we want to get all, right? I mean... We can't just settle and, you know, put our tent pegs down and go, camp here, we like it. You know, we've got to go. We've got to go for the more, the more, the more, because there is always more. And I refuse in my generation to settle for less when I can have it all. And I refuse in my generation to serve and make my God a lesser God than he is by my lack of faith or commitment. Are you there? My, my God's not a lesser God. He is the great and mighty God. And that's who I serve. So if you just stand, if, if you have that evangelist thing on you, if you have a, a you know, just stand. I'm just going to pray for you where you are. Part impartation, and then I'm going to pray for the others. I'm going to have them come because I want to lay hands on the ones to activate for spiritual sight and vision. Hallelujah, Jesus. So, Father, I pray right now over those that are standing. Lord, as you see every hand, as you see every heart tonight, Lord, there is a desire in this generation, a heartbeat. God, there's a, there, there's a cry in their innermost being. There's a desire to know you and your power. There's a desire to extend your mercy and your grace. God, there's a desire in them to see a liberation come to a people oppressed by the enemy, uh, lives stolen, relationships stolen. God, the enemy has done a, a, a great work in our time. And God, we're here tonight to reverse that work. We're here to change it. And God, I know that you've come to New Zealand. And I know that you sit amongst the gods. And that you've made a judgment. And you said, that's enough. And now you're raising up, oh God, a generation of those that are going forth in great power and in signs and wonders and miracles. And God, they're going to liberate. They're going to liberate the prisoners of darkness, the souls held captive in darkness, the relationships that have been destroyed. Those, God, that have been held down and held captive by deception and by philosophies of humanistic thinking and secularism and paganism. God, tonight, your power is present to release a generation of harvesters, apostolic harvesters. God, tonight, there's going to begin to be a harvest 
through this house, through this people, through this place. God, there's going to begin to be a revival harvest. There's going to begin to be a multiplication of harvesters. There's going to begin to be a release of a mighty working power of God that's going to move in compassion and in love and in power and in signs and in wonders and in mighty miracles. And God, there's going to be a liberation and a salvation in the name of the Lord Jesus that's going to come forever to this place, to this city. And God, there is going to begin to be a mighty harvest in the name of the Lord. So Father, for every hand raised and for every heart extended to you, God, right now, in the name of Jesus, I ask for the release. I ask for the release, God, of a mantle of evangelism. God, stir the hearts and seal them in. And God, I also pray to you tonight, Lord of the harvest, God, that you would send harvesters now into the harvest. Not simply human beings, God, but let the gathering angels of Matthew 13 come. Let the angels, God, begin to come. The gathering and the harvesting angels, let them begin to work with these people as they did with Stephen, God. Let the angels now move. And God, let the, all of the hosts of heaven join with the host of the earth. And let the armies of God now come forth in power and in wonders and in signs and in miracles and in the compassion and passion of God. Lord, let your fire come for the harvest. Lord, let your passion come. Lord, right now, let a wave of equipping and mantle come. God, stir the evangelists. Stir them, God. Put fire in their feet. Fire in their hands. Fire in their eyes. God, fire in their words, God. Put the fire of them on them, God. Put your Holy Ghost fire. Give them tongues of fire to speak, God, tonight. In Jesus' name. God, give them a burning heart for the lost, God. God, let them become mighty. And God, let them move forward mightily, God. And let them be dispersed mightily. God, we call in the harvest now. And we call in this nation. Because, God, you said that we could ask you for the nation for our inheritance. And, Lord, as I ask you today, I'm asking you now with these people, God, right now, because you're the Lord of the harvest, that means that you can give it to whoever you want to. So, Father... Give the harvest to this house. Give it to this people. Give it to this place. And give the nations now, the nation, this nation of New Zealand, God, give it to the church of the living God. God, give it to these harvesters. Give it to these apostolic harvesters, God. Let it come. Let it come. Let it come. God, release the harvest to these apostolic harvesters, God. Let them come in multitudes, hundreds and thousands, God. Now we call forth the harvest to be released from the enemy. We call the harvest to be released. We loose it from his grip. And God, now we call the harvest into the house of the Lord. God, we call the apostolic harvest forth. And the apostolic harvesters, God, now right now we send them. Send them. Send them. Send them in your fire. Send them in your power. Send them in your passion, God. In Jesus' mighty name, now shall go forth into the realm of the Spirit and into the realm of the earth. The gospel of the kingdom of God. The gospel in power. Signs wonders, miracles. Lord, let the multitudes come now. Let them be liberated. Let them be free. And let them come to the saving grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, let the overflow come. Lord of the harvest, harvest in Jesus' name. Receive your harvest. Hallelujah. Jesus, by your Spirit, O oh God, by your Spirit. God, let this anointing, let this gifting come fully in Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah, Jesus. By your Spirit, Lord. By your Spirit, God. By your Spirit, Jesus. 
we release the evangelists. We release the harvesters. We release your church, God. Call them fruitful. Call them a fruitful vine. Hallelujah. Call them successful. Call them multipliers. We call this house a house that the Lord adds to daily. From here on out, God, daily. 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 In Jesus' name. Oh, hallelujah for the multiplication. Lord, we call in the harvest even this Sunday, God, as many come. We call forth the salvation of our God. Lord, the souls into the kingdom as they come in contact with your spirit and with your grace, God. We call for a massive harvest and a spiritual awakening into this place, God, into this city, this region. God, we call for a, a, a massive harvest, mass harvest, mass awakening, God. Oh, spiritual awakening, God. We speak it into the ground. We speak it into the rocks and the trees and the water, God. The voice of the Lord resonating. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of salvation. Today is your day. In Jesus' mighty name, come to the waters. Come and be saved. Come and drink deeply. Come and be refreshed. Come, we say, New Zealand. Come, Hawks Bay. Come, Hastings. Come, Napier. Come to the knowledge of the Lord. Come, souls of men and women. Be released now. Be released and come. Come forth. No more waiting. No more holding back. Today is the day. We declare over this island, today is the day of salvation of our God. Today is the time of the move of the Lord. Today is your day in Jesus' name. Now, Lord, let your word go forth in power. and Let it begin to bear fruit. And, God, let the hands and the voices, the hearts of these, your people now, God, be mighty, effective uh, tools of the gospel, God. And let effectual doors now be opened and opened and opened for the testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus, let it come by your spirit. Thank you for the multitude of harvesting angels, gathering angels, God, that are now activated with these, your people. Every place they walk, heaven and earth, heaven and earth join for the harvest. Heaven and earth, God, in Jesus' name. God, strengthen the hands of these, your harvesters. Oh, hallelujah. Jesus, we bless you. Hallelujah, Lord God. Jesus. Just lay hold of that. Just breathe it in. Take it in. Let the mantle come and rest upon you. It's real. It's spiritual, but it's real. It's as real as anything that you've ever known. This weightiness, this impartation is real. Father, I call forth divine appointments in Jesus' name. Unusual encounters. Holy Ghost meetings. God, I call for pathways to cross. In Jesus' name. I call forth a harvest with multiplication in Jesus' name. Multiplication, God. Multiplication. Bring them in to your house, Father. New sons and new daughters. Restore, O Lord. Restore the joy of the Lord. Restore the light. Restore the salvation of God. Jesus, come and receive those who you gave your life for. Receive them, O Lord. Hallelujah. Jesus, glory and honor and wisdom and power be unto you, O Ancient of Days. Lord of the harvest, come. Manifest your power. Manifest your glory. Manifest your heart in and through these, your people, God. And let the harvest fully come.
Hallelujah. I hear the voice of the Lord in the mountains and in the valleys and on the water. I hear the voice of the Lord calling out and crying out. Even this very hour, the Lord's speaking. He's speaking forth. He's calling. He's calling out. He's calling out. Many are going to hear and respond. Many. I'm telling you that you've put in motion this very week a revival harvest. You've activated it and set it in place. It's like a mighty force. It's a momentum that will build and build and build. There's a shift in the spirit and in the atmosphere. There's a dominion over the spiritual atmosphere. The harvesting angels have come. The worshiping and warring angels have taken their place. There's an impartation upon those who will speak the gospel. You will go forth with unusual favor and power. The resistance will not be there. God has prepared the hearts. It's the time of the Lord. It's the time of the harvest. Fields are now ripe, fully ripened. Hallelujah, Jesus. I feel the power of the Lord going out of this place. Oh, moving over hearts and lives. Even as we're meeting this very moment, God is already preparing hearts for the sound of His love, the gospel, for the power of His love that, to liberate and to free, to redeem, to renew, to restore. The wells of salvation are opening. I see wells opening. I feel wells opening. Hallelujah, Jesus. All who are weary, all who are heavy laden, come, come, come. Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Now I want to pray over the uh, the 30s, or if you're a little older than 30, that's okay, but I just want to pray an activation on you. I want to pray the highest level of spiritual experience that I have, which is, by the grace of God, I want to impart that to you. But there's an apostolic impartation. I just, if you'll receive it, I want to pray over you. So if you'd like to just come and just give me a moment, just a moment, I'll pray over you. And then what I want to do is that we're going to, like, form a line or a tunnel or something, and we're going to have everybody else come. And uh, I want you to put a demand upon the latent gifts in them. I want you to begin to speak life to everything that, that's in the older generation that's older than you. Activate it. Come on. Put a demand on it. There's people in here that can float iron axe heads. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's true. Jesus. Hallelujah. This is good. Yeah, just kind of spread out. That's good. Hallelujah. <laughs> Whoa, this is good. Oh, hallelujah. 